African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us for the last edition of African Dialogue this week. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on Channel Africa on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, on DSTV, on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Right now, we'll be crossing over to Morocco in Marrakesh where the 8th AfriCities Summit is actually taking place. It's the 8th edition, as I've mentioned, and uh, it's actually estimated that 5,000 delegates are to attend. And this year's theme is the transition towards sustainable cities and territories, the role of local and sub-national governments. The main focus this year is creating more sustainable African cities and how do you also create a network within those particular cities. And also looking at challenges of migration and population dynamics and the fact that we are seeing growth on the African continent in terms of future projections in terms of population dynamics living within uh, urban centers I mean when you look at uh, the stats by UN Habitat two-thirds of the population in the world is to live in cities by 2050 that's the latest statistic and when you look at that particular figure the fastest growing urban centers are small and medium cities with less than 1 million inhabitants which account for 59 percent of the world's urban population and look at the southern the african context in this 62 percent of the urban population in africa so you are seeing the growing dynamic uh, of populations uh, within cities on the continent well to help us on this subject matter we're now joined by Pakistan, who is the president of the South African Association of Local Government and the United Nations Local Government Association. Uh, thanks, Mr. Pakistan, for giving us your time. Are you enjoying uh, the conversations happening that side in uh, uh, Morocco? What has stood out for you? Thank you very much and uh, good morning. The discussions have been quite intense, confronting the critical, the critical issues that you've raised in your introduction amongst others the impact of organization on our cities, in particular the intermediary cities. We are experiencing a situation where the bulk of organization is happening in the smaller cities in South Africa and in Africa. Uh, if you look at South Africa, the places that are feeling the greatest pressure of uh, organization and migration are towns such as Postbakri, Sultata, Polokwane, uh, and so on. Mm. Uh, with lesser capacity from a resource point of view to deal with those challenges, inasmuch as the large cities of our country, such as Johannesburg, Sami, Petekwini, and, and Cape Town, uh, are also experiencing challenges. Um, this places great pressure on the cities in terms of their investments in infrastructure, in terms mm. of their ability to accommodate the new residents, mm. uh, but also in terms of creating like, platforms for economic growth and development in a manner that's able to absorb all the people that are coming into the urban centers. And these are the issues that this session is grappling with. Uh, we 
we have many multiple sessions at Africa cities that are sure. convenient to look at different topics mm-hmm. uh, that are dealing with the different aspects of the issue that we have to confront and resolve. You know, Pax, let's look at that particular issue in terms of uh, that issue of migration on the African continent. I know South Africa also is one that... Uh, it's an issue in the in, in the country because we do absorb a lot of migrants and asylum seekers in, in the country. How should we actually rethink the way we see our urban centers? And uh, how do we actually make sure that we also open up our borders? Do we close them? That's a big debate happening, not just uh, on the African continent, but internationally. Uh, you know, when you look at the Brexit conversations and the migration problem in Europe, and when you see the conversation that Donald Trump is having in terms of his relationship with Mexico, that migration issue becomes very central in terms of how we look at our cities, how do we sustain our cities. My migration is a natural phenomenon. I think people tend to go to cities in search of opportunity. Sometimes they are leaving their places where there's either conflict, poverty, underdevelopment, or economic challenges. So people live in search of where the opportunities are. And the issue has to be how do you deal with migration in a manner that enables both migrants and host communities to coexist and you don't have problems of social exclusion that lead to to xenophobic uh, reactions. Uh, The issue is also equally about subscription to the necessary legislation that countries have. And I think in our country we have uh, legislation that governs, for example, asylum seeking and uh, and people that are coming to the country for different children. The reality is in particular, Africa is experiencing a uh, high rate of um, urbanization, at a rate, in fact, unprecedented internationally sure. in terms of the pace mm. uh, of migration into the urban centers. It is currently experiencing the highest rate of urbanization because people are living in the rural areas because of famine, because of the impact of climate change, in certain instances because of conflict and poverty uh, uh, and underdevelopment. And yesterday was dedicated, in fact, to migration. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a session that was looking, multiple sessions that were looking at different aspects of migration and how it impacts on, on both host communities and migrant communities. And the idea is how do we facilitate and enable social inclusion? How do we ensure that migrants are registered in terms mm-hmm. of the country's uh, regulations mm-hmm. and laws in the countries in which they locate? And how do you ensure that they become an integral part of the systems that govern the country that they locate in? And that's an important part of how you have to deal with migration. Mm. So what were the ideas that came out from those particular sessions, especially when it comes to creating sustainable cities that can absorb the migration movements that we're starting to see on the African continent? You know, theoretically, everybody agrees that, in fact, uh, urbanization and uh, having a huge pulse, which are two phenomena that we're experiencing in Africa right now, should uh, be a benefit. So there should be a demographic dividend that we reap from mm. uh, the migration of young people who have the energy drive ambition and sure. in many instances the skills and capability to contribute towards their own prosperity and growth. 
uh, and towards the growth and prosperity of the, the different countries in which they locate. The reality, however, is that if it is not managed in an appropriate way, it can become a poison challenge because you have mm. young people uh, that are contesting for resources and in certain instances engaging in activities that are counterproductive to mm. the local economy and the health of the people of the countries in which they locate. So it is very important that you ensure the appropriate registration and recognition of the skills that people bring. If you think about it, mm. all our cities are growing at the back of migrants. If you think about a city such as Johannesburg, mm. the reality is that 200 years ago you had less than 200 people that were living in Johannesburg. Mm. So it itself is a city of migrants. Uh, it has grown at the back of migrants, and those are the people that have made it shine and prosper into the metropolis that it is today. The same applies to cities such as New York. Uh, in Dubai, for example, more than 80% of the population is a population of, of migrants. Those are the people that are driving the economy of this uh, United Arab Emirates. Uh, it's a phenomenon that we experience worldwide. The question is about how do you administer it properly mm. and ensure that it contributes towards your growth and prosperity instead of it becoming a negative uh, impact in your society and your world. Well, with that said, you can't run away from the fact that uh, this migration also exhausts the infrastructure within African cities, especially when it comes to affordable housing, transportation. Sometimes we see through overpopulation, a creation of slums around uh, these urban settings on the African continent. It's a different context for different cities, of course. Uh, But there is that exhaustion, and sometimes the infrastructure doesn't have the capacity to withhold that uh, population? So it certainly does, and part of the conversation alongside migration that we have in the summit includes uh, how to ensure resource sustainability, how to ensure that uh, cities are able to cope with the reality of um, the growth and infrastructure that they have. And one of the issues is about enhancing their financial capability in terms of their own resource generation capacity, but also mm. in terms of global transfer. We have witnessed that internationally donor communities and countries contribute to uh, national states and to non-governmental organizations, but uh, none of those resources are directed to local governments. So one of the discussions we're having is how do we ensure that uh, fiscal transfers go towards local authorities from donor communities. And taking it back to South Africa, South Africa, South Africa is both a donor country and a recipient country. Mm. Uh, but, excuse me, uh, the EU, for example, has sure. decided that uh, it will not be making transfers to South Africa because mm. it is a middle-income country. Mm. But we, excuse me, excuse me for that, but we have been lobbying that local governments in the country necessarily should be able to access uh, uh, resources mm, from mm. Uh, institutions such as the EU, CEDA, and so on. Mm. And there is appetite for this. So when we're talking about ensuring that we're able to absorb uh, migrants and people that are becoming urban dwellers, it is also about accessing the resources necessary to accommodate this and to ensure that you build the infrastructure that's able to accommodate all the people and enterprises that are coming into our city. The reality is when we're talking about globalization, we talk about 
the globalization of uh, trade and industry mm. of financial, financial transfers, one of the phenomena that we're not engaging with is the globalization of people. Sure. Because in sure. as much as there is increased trade internationally, there's also increasing the number of people that are traveling into different parts of the world, mm. and we need to have an equal response when we celebrate this, uh, globalization to the reality that it's also about the globalization of people. Hmm. Well, I'm going to take a quick break. Stay with us there. Park Stau is on the line there. He's the president of the South African Association of Local Government and the United Nations Local Government Association. And also, when we come back, we're also going to be joined by Omar Sila, who is the Urban Legislation, Land and Governance Coordinator for UN Habitat. We'll enlarge this uh, conversation, also looking at issues of uh, ICT development in uh, sustainable cities on the African continent and also the big issue also is the idea of intra a connection uh, between African cities uh, that seems to also still be a challenge how do we make sure that we create cities that are connected with one another on the African continent whether it's for tourism whether it's for business whether it is also for uh, issues of sustainability as we coordinate infrastructural uh, links uh, is that possible for the African continent it's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with our guests. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, today we're connecting live uh, to the happenings in Morocco and Marrakesh, where the 8th AfriCities Summit is uh, taking place, which uh, is really seeking to find ways to create more sustainable cities on the African continent. We started our conversation with uh, Pak Stau, the president of the South African Association of Local Government, and also he's part of the United Nations Local Government Association. Now we've been joined by Omar Sila, who is uh, joining us from UN habitat and he is the urban legislation land and governance coordinator omar thank you for giving us your time Fantastic. I mean, we've been speaking with Pakistan around various dynamics, issues of uh, uh, the fact that we're seeing uh, the fact that as UN Habitat has uh, uh, released uh, uh, sometime this year and just a few months ago that uh, two-thirds of the population is go- are going to live in cities and urban centers by 2050. And we're seeing those trends already happening in Africa. It's been happening for a very long time, but they has been some intensification with uh, population growths and also uh, tensions in some countries in terms of uh, intra-politics or intra-conflict in some African countries. So we do see urban centers becoming a space of uh, refuge and at times a space of uh, um, really reliance in terms of people wanting a better livelihood for themselves. But the big question is, can African uh, cities... Uh, 
sustain this? Can they actually uh, absorb these tensions? In terms of urbanization overall, and I think the that on your presentation, the challenge that Africa is facing now is a rapid urbanization. So, uh, cities are moving fast, uh, population are growing, and there is more and more need for basic services, uh, access to infrastructure, but also all this dynamic related to economic transformation that uh, we are facing. Uh, which he call, uh, you know, on upon cities and leaders uh, to be ready uh, to face these challenges. But the other side of the uh, of the matter is that as well, urbanization can be as well a potential for Africa. If you see that Africa is underpopulated as well, whatever is you know the increase of population rate, uh, uh, we still need people in the cities. So it may require more planning and strategy thinking to see how to transform this challenge into opportunity. That's the old question that UN Habitats are working uh, to develop a narrative toward a more positive perception of this rapid urbanization because we believe that cities become agents for growth and economic development, uh, which means that cities come along with uh, basic services, with access to job, employment, and access to decent housing. So today, on the UN prospect, we have the new urban agenda with goals 11, which is talk about safe cities, resilient and sustainable development for cities as well. We have uh, uh, the sustainable development goal as well on the same trend. So meaning that uh, globally, we have now that African cities can use, you know, to advance the, uh, the agenda in terms of mm. urbanization, sure. but it may require different requirements. One of these requirements is how to better plan our cities. When we talk about planning, is a special dimension. Make sure at least we have the space to we need to establish road. We have the space we need to establish basic services. We have the space we need to establish uh, uh, public services uh, and also housing market and dimension related to land management as well. The challenge we are facing today Many African cities are prepared, you know, to engage in a very uh, sustainable land management system. They mm -hmm. can help them, you know, develop a sound housing mechanism and policy system. Today, uh, we realize that urban land has become a factor of conflict and not for driving change. And that's some asset we have in Africa. They can contribute to increase social cohesion, but also in developing business and investment. It had been proven. Uh, from this last report uh, of African cities in 2018, one obstacle that uh, foreign direct investment are facing is access to land and acquisition. So that's something that we need to look at. The second factor mm -hmm. as well is uh, improving our governance of our cities, so which requires as well developing capacity for city leaders, mm -hmm. but also developing regulatory framework and uh, sustainable policy, including national urban policy. They can help local authorities to... To, to, to plan ahead, you know, on all these challenges coming. But we shouldn't wait until we face this and start, you know, planning. We need to develop a long-term vision on the way that we want to manage our cities and where we want to take our cities by 2013, for example. That's a question we need to ask ourselves. Uh, third point as well, which is very important, access to energy. I mean, uh, Africa has the potential of, you know, being, you know, covered by how many, 
you know, rages of sun, how you can, you know, tap on this richness of this uh, energy, uh, solar energy, for example, sure. to, to, to help develop, you know, a very strong energy sector instead of relying on biofuel and other nature. I think those are critical elements uh, that we need to look at it in terms of planning, in terms of opportunity, but also in terms of managing this uh, uh, this population growth. But overall, I'm positive and optimistic that this rapid urbanization for me is an opportunity to transform Africa in a way that they can contribute, you know, to economic growth, but also well, let, let me look at that particular viewpoint that you're highlighting there, um, Omar, and maybe I should take it back to you, Pax, in terms of that issue of city uh, management and planning. You know, because when you consider things such as migration, they're very unpredictable in terms of uh, how people move into certain cities and move out of those particular cities. And sometimes I can just see myself as a, a town planner in terms of, you know, how do I actually plan for an unforeseeable situation? Because sometimes we don't know how those migration flows into a particular city or an urban center uh, could actually uh, take place. I'm sure it's a big challenge, Pax. It is a yeah, big I challenge. Mean, uh, it's a very complex. Oh, let, let Omar comment. Okay, go ahead, Pax. I'll, I'll give Omar a, a chance to come back and respond to that. Yeah, I mean, reason you inhabitat, uh, we are developing what we call the concept of urban-rural linkages. It means that uh, city planning should be a piecemeal uh, approach. We need to look at this uh, integrated uh, side of the things which may lead to territorial planning, integrated territorial planning. Sure. That's something we are promoting and not looking into you know, a small pocket where okay. we have different issues. But there's interrelation between rural and urban in terms of value chain. Mm. In terms of flow of goods, sure. in terms of flow of uh, people, I think there's interaction. It means that now, I think the way that policy should be developed mm. is a bit out of silo and mm. to connect each area to see what is the interrelationship in terms of, you know, assets and in terms of uh, potentialities. Mm. I think that's the way to go. But also, mm. I think uh, Africa has been going through dramatic uh, change uh, related to natural disaster, yeah. related to climate change, and related to conflict as well, which is, uh, you know, puts these people to move to the cities. Mm. Uh, from my country in Senegal, I think so right now you have Dakar, which is one the biggest city of Senegal, which mm. is overcrowded. Mm. And the starting point of this uh, overcrowd is from the, uh, the drought we have been facing in the years 80 and mm. 90. So it means that I think the opportunity is how to serve both sides, rural and mm-hmm. urban, to make sure at least those who are working in rural areas have access to basic services, they have mm-hmm. access to mm-hmm. schools, they have access to the hospitals, and mm-hmm. they don't need to come to the cities. But as long as this, uh, you know, continuum approach is not established, government will be facing mm-hmm. always, you know, this flow of migration. Mm-hmm. Okay, Pax, what are your thoughts on, on that particular issue in terms of town planning in in light of migration flows? First, we have to accept that it is complex to plan for uh, population densities and yeah. increases that you can't anticipate except to work on the basis of protection. In many instances, mm. people locate themselves in informal settlements, in slums, and in inappropriate locations, and you need to plan for people that are already there uh, in as much as you need to plan for city expansion. One of the things that we've done jointly in fact, between 
the South African Local Government Association and UN Habitat is to contribute a, a set of guidelines to the international discourse on planning for city and territorial development. Because when you're talking about territorial development, you're also talking about planning beyond the city boundary. You have to plan beyond what is an administrative boundary to plan for the growth of territories in a manner that's not only responsive to the way, the way in which you've demarcated city boundaries. And you have to plan for the reality that uh, there's intermediary systems of, of location. So you do have people that would locate in formal settlements. How do you create certainty in terms of a degree of tenure, a degree of uh, land use management? So you have to have intermediary and long-term systems of planning. Uh, and that's the reality that you're dealing with. Because you can't, with it, you're never going to have a perfect plan. Mm. Because when people come in close, they're not always going to locate in spaces that you want them to locate in. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then when we come back, we're going to look at how do we connect cities much better and also look at how do we also uh, create uh, future cities. Uh, That's another big conversation happening internationally. How do we create uh, climate-friendly cities that are also uh, futuristic in terms of uh, complementing their own ICT needs? Let me take a quick break. Hey, we're looking at uh, the uh, Afri City Summit, rather, and it's underway in Morocco. Morocco, Marrakesh, and very interesting conversations that are happening. As you could hear, it's very complex and a lot that still needs to be done when it comes to creating those sustainable cities on the African continent. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back and we'll conclude this conversation and find our final assessments in terms of the way forward for African cities on the continent. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Again, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. You are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us right here in our Johannesburg studios. We're crossing live over to Morocco where the Afri Cities Summit is underway. And remember, you're listening to us on our various platforms as the SABC's external service. Remember, we're on uh, the frequency 7230 kilohertz. Uh, That's our frequency on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. And if you're listening to us on DSTV in South Africa and neighboring countries, we're on DSTV channel 802 that's on the audio okay and uh, you can also listen to us on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za let's continue our conversation with Umar Sila who is uh, the urban legislation land and governance coordinator of UN Habitat and Pakistan the president of the South African Association of Local Government 
And wait, let me just uh, look at this particular um, issue of uh, how do we create more connections between African cities, uh, Omar, because that's also another challenge. How do we make sure that we connect from a transport system? That's a big challenge in how cities um, connect with each other. Also, for trade, we need that interconnection and also for issues of maybe we could share some infrastructure, especially in the era of ICT that we find ourselves in the world right now. I'm sure that's another challenging issue that is being discussed at the summit. Right. So, I mean, uh, on this connection on Africa, uh, I can see two dimensions. The first dimension is more about the geopolitical dimension, regionally speaking. What do we need uh, to make sure cities are connected? Uh, because when you talk about regional cooperation, uh, it's more about uh, economic development, but also so. uh, bringing, you know, a comparative advantage from each country and cities, uh, economically speaking, uh, to develop a sound market. And for this market to happen, I think we need to look at our, uh, what we call the integration framework as well in Africa. I'm sure there's a lot of effort going on now in the African Union to connect, you know, countries and cities uh, to build a kind of a market system. But unfortunately, we have a lot of barriers. There are legal, social, and political barriers that can, you know, help connecting uh, different cities. Uh, if you look at uh, the transport system now in Africa, flying from Nairobi to to Rabat or to Marrakesh, you have to go through Doha. It means that there is some wrong, something is wrong on our Iran uh, transportation system in Africa. Mm-hmm. They can could be a good, you know, asset or opportunity for African to move easily from one city to others in terms of uh, technology, in terms of uh, exchange of goods and services. Uh, that's one element. Second element, looking into micro level at the country level. Now, connecting cities is may require as well looking at our policy. How we can have, if you want to integrate policy at the country level, they can support uh, cities, you know, to, to exchange the experience, to experience knowledge and to experience uh, technology system. And uh, if you look at uh, many African cities or if you look at the paysage of uh, Africa countries, the politics is dominating. We have a lot of decentralization policy in Africa including South Africa or in Senegal and other countries, but this decentralization has been used for political purposes and not for serving the purpose of connecting cities or tapping on the richness of the cities to develop, you know, genuine uh, cooperation or genuine, uh, you know, contribution to economic development. The third factor for me in terms of connection is the infrastructure. Uh, as you may put it rightly, if you do not have the right transport system, and the right communication system between cities, uh, uh, it will be challenging for African cities to connect each other and collaboration or cooperation. And this leads me again to this question of urban-rural linkages, how to establish an integrated territorial planning system, not looking into the spatial dimension, but also looking into the value chain in terms of continuity, in terms of complementarity between territories, it's a very important because right now I think one element that uh, we are failing to address uh, adequately in cities of Africa is the land element. Cities are expanding into rural land. But how to make sure at least, uh, you know, land has been used as a driver for economic growth but also 
reducing inequalities and other, and other. So we have how many informality do we have in African countries? Because as you mentioned, uh, people coming from the rural area, we establish themselves in the area which are not controlled by the government or mm-hmm. they do not have provision of services. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we have all this informality. We should be thinking about very proper and sensitive land policy that can help respond to the need for those communities mm-hmm. in terms of Kenyan security, but at the same time finding a balance for need for investment of the land management. Overall, for me, the conditions of this uh, successful uh, connection of cities depend in which extent you know we are addressing the issue of, of integration regionally speaking uh, but also in which extent we have a planning process uh, internally they can connect politically mm-hmm. technically and economically cities in the same country over to you all right Pax, what are your thoughts there because there is also potential in uh, this intercity connection especially when it comes to ict infrastructure uh, we can I think uh, we've lost uh, Parks there. Uh, but uh, l- let me wrap it up with you then, uh, since we've lost Parks Tao there. Um, in terms of this regionalism and, you know, future thinking, especially when we're thinking about uh, uh, the challenges that we're facing on the environment and conversations around climate change, Omar, um, yeah. You know, that's a big conversation as well. And it comes back to this idea of how do we share resources? How do we share um, developmental um, policies to make sure that we deal with uh, some of these environmental changes and climate change issues uh, that we're dealing with in some regions? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, as you may know, it, uh, people are, Smart cities, uh, which may have different meaning in the yeah. context of Africa. Mm. Uh, smart city is not just about driven by high tech technology. Mm-hmm. It's more about looking to social political dimension on, on these particular issues. Sure. And for this to happen, for me, uh, as you mentioned, looking into environment and all these climate change element, one element we need to look at as well is looking into capacity for African cities and readiness for the cities to face all these challenges. It means that we need to look at our, uh, to review our curriculum at the university level to see how to integrate those emerging issues in this training system in African schools and uh, university. I think this is very important. If you look at uh, the expertise coming in Africa, they come from on board, and they are not really, you know, something which is uh, indigenous, or they can help, you know, adapt, you know, this technology or this uh, uh, system to the context of Africa. Whatever smart city you are talking about, they need to be customized and sure. to be adapt to the context of uh, African cities. Uh, second point as well, we need to invest more means and uh, financial uh, uh, means as well to anticipating in terms of research and development of this critical thematic area, which are climate change or, you know, this environmental challenges that Africa is facing. Uh, this is one element, because if you look at now, the budget, the national budget in African countries, how much is going to the particular mm. sector? Those are sectors that are funded by external relationships. Those are sectors that have been funded by external aid, which is not normal. So as long as it's priority for African cities, you know, uh, government should put them in. And it mm. means that as well, we need to see how to leverage more resources at the sure. local level, you know, to support those initiatives, uh, I mean, which are... Uh, very important. Third point as well, for mm. preparedness and anticipation, I think we need to develop some policy and a framework for 
government and technical agency to be able to support communities and to support as well uh, different local you know actors uh, to to be aware of what we are gaining and what we were supposed to be doing you know to prevent these calamities or this disaster mm-hmm. most of the time you know in africa those disasters come surprisingly it's not normal yeah, because yeah. you have an early warning system and sure, uh, we, sure. we talk about high tech so you talk mm-hmm. about ICT. Mm-hmm. those are some elements now where we need to improve you know our approaches and our way of uh, dealing with the issue in terms of capacity but also in terms of establishing you know the sound technology system uh, to to anticipate to this consequences now technology is so advanced that we can know what's coming in the coming years in terms of raining season even in terms of the calamities as well so how much you can put on that and uh, maybe put more emphasis on the technical element than the politics where african cities are putting more money yeah yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, there's a lot of work to be done there, Omar, with some of the yeah. suggestions that you've made. But thank you for giving us yeah. your time to give us context on some of the work that needs to be done and some of the conversations that have been happening there at uh, the AfriCity Summit. Thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's Omar Sila, who is the Urban Legislation, Land and Governance Coordinator at UN Habitat. And uh, we also had Pak Staus, the President of the South African Association of Local Government and United Nations Local Government Association, joining us there on the line. Definitely from that conversation, we can sum up that a lot still needs to be done. Yes, we have made some uh, um strides in certain areas in terms of development. When you look at a country such as Rwanda and you see the ICT development there, and you look at uh, uh, Kenya in terms of their own ICT infrastructure there, we've seen some developments. I remember when I went to, uh, um, you go to a country like uh, Mauritius and you just see how really countries like that, when you get to the airport and the roads and how they connect uh, to various parts of uh, their locations, you do see some form of development, but there's still a long way to go. We're still lagging behind, especially when it comes to that ICT creation in terms of making sure that we create ICT that is very complementary uh, to the needs of regions, to the needs of the micro levels of cities in terms of uh, what is happening, in terms of what was highlighted by Omar in terms of the early warning systems. 